Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Thursday, November 2nd, and I'm Kristen Baird Adams, President of the City Club Board of Directors. On behalf of City Club CEO Dan Molthrop, the staff and board, it's my pleasure to welcome you to today's forum, the annual state of the city, the state annual state of downtown. Earlier this year, a comprehensive plan, Reimagining Cleveland, was unveiled to accelerate the transformation of downtown Cleveland from a traditional nine to five business district to a diverse, vibrant, mixed use neighborhood. Led by downtown Cleveland and the city of Cleveland and Mayor Justin Bibb, this ambitious plan details near term and longer term plans to tackle lingering post pandemic challenges facing downtown Cleveland and the nation's other city centers across the nation and to accelerate the realization of opportunities to transform the central business district into a community business district, a destination that is equally attractive to residents, employers, workers, and visitors. The plan includes completion of a retail strategic plan to analyze downtown's current retail inventory, identify barriers to attracting retailers, implement a targeted tenant attraction and retention strategy, and more. This summer, the City Club, ho uh, the City Club launch or touched on some of these efforts at a number of our forums on Public Square. And just last night, a packed audience at the Happy Dog learned more about the plan to develop our North Coast lakefront. The common denominator throughout each of these conversations, we all want to know what the future of our downtown will look like and what it will take to get us there. Joining us today to provide their insights and perspectives on what's ahead for downtown Cleveland are Kate Borders, board chair for the International Downtown Association and recently appointed president of University Circle Inc., Michael Diemer, president and CEO of Downtown Cleveland, and Larissa Oritz, managing director of public nonprofit solutions at StreetSense, the organization that helped shape downtown Cleveland's retail strategic plan. Moderating the conversation today is Nathan Kelly, President and Managing Director of Cushman Wakefield Crusco Real Estate. If you have a question for our speakers, you can text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And the City Club staff will do its best to work it into the second half of the program. Members, friends, and guests of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming today's speakers. Thank you very much, Kristen. Um, I think a great way to start this conversation is um, to ask you, Downtown Deemer, <laughs> what is the state of downtown? Uh, well, well, thank you, Nate. And uh, I want to thank, once again, the City Club for hosting uh, State of Downtown once again. Thank our friends at PNC for sponsoring uh, State of Downtown once again. It's been a terrific partnership over the years. Uh, I want to thank two of my favorite people from the International Downtown Association Network, 
uh, Larissa and Kate. Uh, Street Sense is a group that I've wanted to work with for uh, many years. I had the opportunity to meet Larissa uh, just last year as part of an IDA program and uh, delighted to have had that opportunity now uh, and to have you here today. And Kate, uh, I got the call earlier this year that Kate was going to be coming to Cleveland uh, to take the job at University Circle. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that if I could have handpicked anybody in the International Downtown Association Network uh, to come to Cleveland uh, to help us uh, lead and grow the city, Kate would have been it. So the fact that you're here uh, in Cleveland and part of this panel, I'm very grateful for. And Nate, you've been a terrific partner over the years. So thank you uh, for moderating today. Uh, you had a question, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, tell the, us about the, downtown. The state of downtown, uh, I, I would say, is resilient and rising. Uh, we are not out of the woods. We, are, uh, we still have our fair share of challenges, as all downtowns do coming out of the pandemic. Uh, but I think that the data tells us uh, that we are better positioned than most cities and most downtowns coming out of the pandemic uh, to confront those challenges. And as was alluded to in the opening remarks, we've got a vision and a plan uh, to help us meet those challenges. Uh, and let me elaborate a little bit on, on what the data is telling us. Uh, as we look at the state of downtown right now, uh, we have more people living in downtown Cleveland than we did before the pandemic. Uh, in September, we had our, our best month of foot and visitor traffic since we've had, uh, since September of 2019. Uh, we've recovered 89% of our visitors. Uh, we had over 4 million uh, visitors uh, to downtown Cleveland in the month of September alone. So again, it was the best month we've had since September of 2019. Uh, as we look at the rate of return of our workforce, uh, just over 68% of our overall downtown workforce uh, had returned uh, to downtown in the month of September. That puts us just above the, the national median and national average. So I think the the, the data tells us uh, that we're trending in the right direction. We are also national leaders in office conversions. Uh, we, CBRE just published uh, a report uh, a couple of weeks ago showing that we're number one in the country in office conversions. There are cities and downtowns across the country trying to figure out what to do uh, with an oversupply of office space. We've got the playbook uh, in, in downtown Cleveland that other cities are trying to figure out that puts us a big step ahead. And then finally, we have a vision and plan. Uh, Kristen, in her opening remarks, talked a little bit about uh, the reimagining downtown plan that uh, Mayor Bibb launched earlier uh, this year. Yeah, that, that plan really charts a course for us to follow over the next one to three years to complete a transformation of downtown that began years ago, but we know we need to accelerate that uh, completion of transforming from nine to five central business district to truly vibrant model uh, neighborhood. And uh, a big piece of that plan uh, was to create a retail strategy. Uh, we're releasing that strategy today. Uh, Street Sense was our, our lead partner in creating that strategy. Looking forward to talking uh, with all of you and uh, about the plan today, uh, but more importantly, working with all of you to implement and execute the reimagining downtown vision and our retail strategy. I want to follow up a little bit on why is retail such an important part of your plan for downtown? Well, I think we, we know that coming out of the pandemic, we need to create a, 
a set of great experiences in downtown Cleveland that draws people back in, whether that's visitors, residents, or workers. We, we need to create an experience in downtown Cleveland uh, that draws people away from remote work, that draws people uh, away from online retail, that draws people away from all the, the virtual entertainment options that we have today. What, what downtowns thrive at and do best is bringing people together to live, work, and play. And we know if we're creating a great pedestrian experience uh, that's got the amenities uh, for visitors, residents, and office workers, and, and the, the, the retail environment is so uh, integral to the downtown experience, uh, we knew that that was just a, a critical, essential place for us to start. Kate, you come from a different perspective, newish to Cleveland, chair of the International Downtown Association. And Mike just talked about how we're beating a lot of the other downtowns right now in many ways. Can you talk a little bit about what you see other downtowns' current state is? Maybe where they're going? Absolutely. And I love, I'm going to start calling him Downtown Deemer from now on. So <laughs> this is a thing. Um, well, I think, so downtowns have had this history of being the location that everyone feels ownership around. And I think that played out for us, it has always played out, right? If there are protests, they're in your downtowns. I mean, people think of downtown as your living room. So they come to this, this urban center um, for every purpose that is celebratory is when they wanna contest something, usually it's in our downtown. And so we've watched our downtowns kind of morph through all these different iterations and then the people that do the work, like we do, have been a part of that for, for many, many years. And what I find interesting is that all of us downtowners, um, we were raised ready for the fight. So, I mean, if you think about anything that our downtowns experience, um, if you have streetcar or don't have streetcar, you're implementing streetcar, your downtowner is gonna be part of that transition, right? Maybe you have a major you know, Republican convention come to town, and so you have to be ready for that event to take place. Maybe you have a transition around your lakefront or something like that. We've all been prepping for being prepared to handle changes, challenges on a regular basis. And so I often thought like when we were in the middle of a pandemic, which we are still, it will take many, many years to figure out how the, you know, the depth of that and the ripple effect of that and what that will do to downtowns. And it's different for every single downtown. But I want everyone to recognize that the people that are the downtowners were prepared for that. We are used to taking on extraordinary challenges in ways that maybe many fields don't. And so, you know, I've known these two for many years and I know the way they think and the way they are creative and ready to dig in. And even settings like this, I mean, we're not used to being called the experts, we're used to being the people that roll up our sleeves, right? So getting in and doing the work is what we are prepared to do. And I see that in most downtowns that I work with and I think it's wonderful. Um, how people are rebounding, it's very different across the country. This conversation around office conversions, what the federal government is doing to step in and help with much of this work is really, really imperative. And then here, being in Cleveland myself now, in University Circle, it's a very different environment. It's not exactly the downtown, but it's a partner. Um, I think people have called us the two ends of a barbell, right? Um, so here we are in this district, I am in this district that is really founded on larger institutions that have not 
struggled in the same way that downtowns do because we don't have a lot of office. We have all of these places where people have to be to show up to work every day. So it's just a different recovery, but nonetheless a recovery. So I think we're all there. Um, I think we're all recovering at different rates, but I, there is not a downtown that I can think of that is going to die, right? Like it will be okay. We will come through this. And that's, I think, really important. When it comes to rolling up your sleeves and doing the work, continuing that work, Larissa, with the Street Sense report that's coming out today, um, what does that report look like and what is the direction of the work that we're going to be doing um, on retail? Sure. Um, you know, I think I sort of begin with this acknowledgement that the world has changed. Um, Cleveland is no different. Um, we have seen changes in effectively what were central business districts that now have to be much more than that. And downtown Cleveland has been moving in that direction, which is great news. And I think what we are doing with this plan is doubling down and recognizing that you know, as we acknowledge some of the implications of hybrid work, and for Cleveland that means a loss of about 100,000 square feet of retail that can be supported because those people are not here to spend money. We want to fill that gap with others, uh, people who live here, people who are visiting. Those two things in particular, I think, drive the elements of this plan. So how do we make sure that the people who live here and, how to, and, and will continue to live here and the developers who are making decisions about investing in downtown um, this becomes a better value proposition than it ever was before. So this is about making sure downtown is seen as a neighborhood as much as it's seen as downtown. That it's not a downtown business district, it's a downtown social district. It is a neighborhood. And the most resilient communities during COVID and post-COVID are those that had a really great balance of people who work and live and visit. And I think that's the direction of this plan at its core. Would you give some details about what's in that plan that you think we need to hear about? Sure. Um, you know, one of the areas that we really looked into, and I will say that this is a plan for an organization, a special improvement district. Um, it's not a plan for a city. It's not a plan for a private developer. We have to acknowledge the role that they play as a convener, a facilitator, and a supporter, right? So the things in there are in their lane specifically. What does that mean? Advocating for the social infrastructure that will continue to make this a wonderful place to live. Um, that means you know, the, the playgrounds, the, the public spaces, um, the dog parks, the things that draw people outside of their homes because you can't walk your dog in your home, I guess maybe you can, but <laughs> you, know, you, need, you need that. When you walk out and do those things, you're buying a cup of coffee, you're, you're going out, you're meeting friends. That actually spurs activity and it spurs spending. Um, so it may seem strange to say that social infrastructure is a retail strategy, but it is. And it's a place where an organization like Downtown Cleveland can actually roll up their sleeves and work with their public partners and say, there's a lot, there's a space, let's turn that into something that generates activity and visitation. So I think that's a real key element to this plan. You know, the other is, um, you know, we acknowledge you have to lean in and support things that are already in the works. Um, you know, a plan, that, and this plan has 15 recommendations. Um, a number of them are, including the land bridge, for instance, a number of them are already sort of in the works. Where should this organization really push and advocate and say, we wanna be on that team to make sure it happens because we acknowledge it's so key to seeming 
you know, and bringing together all these disparate pieces that make downtown that are in all different places and making it feel like one place. Um, so I think those are sort of two key elements. A couple of things that you mentioned, uh, you know, DCI isn't necessarily in charge of, you know, around infrastructure and investment. And sometimes we talk about investing in downtown or whether it's our living room or a neighborhood, and we compare it to other neighborhoods, kind of a zero-sum game. Why is downtown important to other neighborhoods? Why is downtown important to the city? I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there and, and hope my, my colleagues do as well. I mean, I, 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 you know, first of all, really look at downtown Cleveland as uh, a, a big and growing neighborhood. Uh, I, I don't really look at downtown uh, as being in competition with the neighborhoods across the city. Uh, it's embedded in our, our vision statement for downtown Cleveland, Inc. You know, we envision downtown Cleveland as a vibrant and welcoming city center that weaves together the downtown districts and the surrounding neighborhoods into a really seamless urban fabric that's greater than the sum of its parts. It's in our identity as an organization. And as I, I think about the, the role that, that downtown Cleveland as a place plays relative uh, to the rest of the city and the other neighborhoods across the city, you know, we, we provide a, a critical uh, tax base uh, for the city of Cleveland, for the, the services uh, that are provided uh, in neighborhoods, including downtown, across the entire city. Uh, we uh, represent uh, just under 3% of the city's land mass, uh, but over half of the income tax revenue and about a quarter of the uh, total property value uh, within the city. Um, we are a, a source of jobs uh, that are readily accessible uh, to people who may not own an auto, uh, automobile. It, it, we're, we're the original transit-oriented development. So people can access jobs in downtown Cleveland, the largest concentration of jobs, at least before the pandemic, um, in the state of Ohio uh, very uh, easily. They can walk, they can take transit, uh, they can bike, um, they, can, they can ride share. Uh, they don't necessarily need to access uh, jobs in downtown by, by driving alone. Uh, and then finally, I, I think downtown matters to the, not just the neighborhoods, but the entire region, because whether you're spending time in downtown Cleveland or not, you know, the, the skyline of downtown, the experience of downtown Cleveland uh, is what attracts people, jobs, and talent to this region. Uh, whether, whether you as individuals are spending time here or not, uh, when a, a, a business or an individual is thinking about making an investment uh, in Cleveland, in Northeast Ohio. They're looking at what's going on in downtown. Is that downtown vibrant and strong? Uh, it, it matters and it makes a difference. Um, and then, you know, I, I think we, we do have uh, a responsibility to make sure that we're, we're creating uh, social and physical and economic connections between downtown and the surrounding neighborhoods in the rest of the city. You know, downtown Cleveland cannot, should not be uh, an island of any kind in the city. Uh, we're, we're an essential part of what should be a really seamless urban fabric that stretches across the city. Is that neighborhood downtown dynamic replicated in other cities? What, talk a little bit about that, if there is a push and a pull or competition. I think there always is. I think there are people who wish that more money was spent in their neighborhoods. And you'll hear this comment oftentimes from elected officials that they'll get 
constituents saying, well, why didn't we get that? I mean, there just feels like there's this us and them sometimes in certain cities. But your point about the tax base, I mean, if you think about the opposite of a thriving downtown, I mean, it, usually we talk about how downtowns punch well above their weight, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, the square mileage of the downtown, the number of hotel beds in a downtown and what, the way that's like putting money into that, that dollar stream. Um, the opposite would be, imagine if the neighborhoods had to support the downtown. If the downtown was weak and there was no money coming in and all of the neighborhoods from a tax base had to be the supporter for that huge engine, it would cripple a city. So it, can, it could be very negative. And when I was in downtown Fresno, we had that conversation all the time because residents didn't want there to be an investment in downtown Fresno. And we actually had to rewrite the story and say, if we don't do this, look at the devastation it will cause citywide, right? the ripple effects from a cost perspective. So, and that's just the business side of the conversation, not to mention the brand identity. Mm. Even um, neighbors will still send postcards with their downtown's images, right? Like, they're not gonna send a, a, a postcard with an image of your street corner where you live, right? That's not the identity that draws people to your place. Larissa, um, I'm interested in your take on the same question. Yeah, you know, in looking at, at downtown Cleveland, I think we were, we were even surprised at the degree to which visitation drives so much economic activity. 70% um, of spending in downtown actually comes from the 15.7 million visitors that are here every year. Um, that visitation we cannot take for granted. Mm -hmm. And it happens because you have assets, entertainment, and cultural assets that can only exist in an environment like this. Um, and so cultivating and making sure that experience is the best experience that we can possibly offer can only help the region because that money is actually then spread through the employment that occurs, the small businesses that are receiving at the receiving end of that spending. So I think we have to remember this is an ecosystem. Um, both need each other to coexist. I had a preview of the plan because um, I exerted the privilege of reading it. <laughs> and um, one of the things that you say is to focus on our assets. And as outsiders, I'm more interested than two of you. What is your view on our best assets downtown? Um, the lake. I mean, <laughs> access to the lake. I mean, that's how true. many downtowns don't have yeah. water? I mean, I think that's huge. That is true. And Playhouse Square, where we are right now, I think that's a huge asset as just moving here. And then the diversity of the experiences that I, I think are incredible in downtown. Yeah, I, th I agree. Those differentiators are so critical. We. You know, when you think about even within Cleveland, um, those offerings make living in downtown an even mm -hmm. special, more special place. Well, there's been a lot of talk about lakefront development. Yeah. And undoubtedly, that's going to require a lot of investment, a lot of um, even organizational lift. How should we be considering the lakefront, anticipating development there, and how it relates to downtown? Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, with the perspective of the retail strategy that, that Street Sense put together, where one of the, the 15 recommendations was to, to make sure that we, we strengthen the connections between uh, downtown and the lakefront, and that we, we really, we, we really, I mean, think about it. Kate just said, you know, one of our, our great differentiators, one of our great assets uh, is the lake. Um, we're, we're disconnected from the lake in, in, in downtown. But if, you, if you're visiting downtown, you live here, you work here, the, the, the lake is so close but so far away. 
and it's it's probably not really viewed as part of the the amenity package yeah. of, of being in downtown and it should be you know so as I, as I think about it from uh, a downtown Cleveland perspective that uh, the connectivity between the core uh, and both shores, the riverfront and the, and the lakefront, but we're, we're talking specifically about the lakefront now, is, is very, very important. Uh, I think we need to be very uh, thoughtful uh, and planful and strategic about uh, the uh, amount and type of development that we try to uh, cultivate uh, on the lakefront uh, because we do need to uh, not just maintain but increase the strength of the core so in that shore to core to shore conversation that we're having uh, as, a, as a community, we need to make sure that the, the connections uh, that we're creating to the waterfronts are strengthening and reinforcing the vitality of the core uh, so that we can continue to strengthen and grow that economic engine uh, that is so important to the city services and uh, the brand identity and uh, the, the business and job attraction uh, that we're all focused on. I'll, I'll take that one step further, further, and maybe because I'm an outsider, it can be a little more provocative. Um, if we do not create those connections and we develop the lakefront, it will be in competition with downtown because you will be forcing people to choose. We want to make sure that we create a wonderful, seamless connection so we have one downtown. And in fact, I think that's one of the takeaways that I had out of this experience where, you know, you. If folks, folks communicated to us that you know downtown has 20,000 residents, when you experience it as an outsider and, and as a potential tenant who's looking to come downtown, you actually experience it as like these distinct nodes that don't really work together as well as they should. They're sort of in close proximity, but not quite. Um, you know, we have to fix those linkages, and the connection to the lakefront is part of that. Can I add to the strength? Please. <laughs> Um, this conversation around playing to the strengths, I think so many of them are in this room. I mean, this is a city that is about collaboration, and there are so many different organizations that are doing incredible work. And one of the strengths is that, to your point, all of these, I haven't read the plan yet. I'm excited to read the plan, but I haven't read it. But I'm assuming that not all of the work should be on the shoulders of downtown Cleveland, right? So. The strength is that all of these institutions can come together and collaborate on achieving these goals. And I mean, it's really important to play to your strengths as a place and as an organization and know the work that is best, best served for you to do. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a, that's a really uh, insightful uh, way of looking at the, the, the body of work of building a downtown in the context of this plan. Um, but I, I think it, it's also, you know, how we all go about our work as, as downtown uh, leaders in, in our, our respective spheres. One of the things I loved about the perspective that Larissa's organization brought to our work is that um, we, we really distinguish between the things that we can control uh, as an organization and those things that, that we can influence. And as uh, you all uh, see this retail strategy that is, uh, uh, you'll all get to read about uh, this afternoon as it, it's released, uh, you know, we, we really try to distinguish between uh, those things that we can really, uh, we can really control as an organization and the things that we're going to need to work with all of you on, uh, all of our partners uh, to uh, influence and deliver on what downtown uh, really needs. So as we talk about the strategy, it, it, is, it is not all about what 
uh, our organization is going to do. It's going to be about what downtown needs in order to thrive to complete that transformation from nine to five uh, central business district to a truly vibrant neighborhood uh, and do it quickly with the support and collaboration of all of you. Before we shift on and start taking questions from our audience today, I want to put you on the spot. You're not in charge of everything, but there are certain things that you are in charge of that you're going to take on as goals for you in 2024. Give us one or two that you're going to hit out of the ballpark. That's pressure. <laughs> well, I, I, I think um, uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm most excited about uh, with the, the, the retail strategy and, and our, our role in working with all the partners to implement reimagining downtown is the focus on the core and the uh, focus on improving the public realm. Um, I, I think we've got opportunities in 2024 uh, to really make our public spaces, our parks, our streets, our sidewalks, our alleys, special places uh, with uh, programming, with art, uh, with color, with sound, with lighting. Uh, I think you're gonna see all of those things in, in 2024. We're gonna be doing some of them. We'll be partnering uh, with other organizations uh, on, on some of them. But I think really moving the needle on uh, enlivening the experience of our public realm uh, in 2024 is going to be essential. And I think we've got uh, a terrific opportunity to do it. Uh, and I want to I close by saying, you know, one of the things that I think we really have as an asset in Cleveland now that we probably don't fully appreciate just yet uh, is we have tremendous uh, alignment in our leadership right now in this community. Uh, that doesn't always happen. As I look around the room, I see a lot of folks who have been around Cleveland for a long time. You know what I'm talking about. We don't always have alignment between the civic leadership, the elected leadership, uh, the business leadership. We have that now. As you, as you look at uh, our alignment around building a, a really vibrant, mixed-use neighborhood in downtown Cleveland, we're speaking that language at Downtown Cleveland, Inc., our regional chamber, our destination marketing organization, our city council, our county council, our mayor, our county executive, uh, our higher education leaders, we're all aligned around the type of place that we need our city's core to be, that we need our downtown to be, uh, and we've got to take full advantage of that opportunity right now. There are challenges. We don't always see eye to eye. There are going to be disagreements, but the, the alignment uh, the leadership and the level of collaboration we have right now is something we cannot afford to squander. We've got a great opportunity, and I'm excited about it. Right. To begin the audience Q&A, I'm Kristen Beard-Adams, President of the City Club Board of Directors. For our live stream audience, you are joining us for the annual State of Downtown. Here on stage with us are Kate Borders, Board Chair for the International Downtown Association and President of Cleveland's University Circle, Inc., Michael Deemer, President and CEO of Downtown Cleveland, Larissa Oritz, Managing Partner of Managing Director of Public Nonprofit Solutions at Street Sense, and Nathan Kelly, President of Cushman and Wakefield uh, Real Estate. We welcome questions from everyone, city club members, guests, 
and those joining us via our live stream at cityclub.org. If you'd like to text a question, please text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. May we have our first question, please. Hello, um, this question is specifically for Kate. Does downtown Cleveland currently remind you of any downtowns you've worked with or studied in the past? And if yes, how is that downtown doing now? No pressure. Um, the first thing that I thought of actually coming here was I used to work in downtown Milwaukee. And um, there's a lot of Midwest similarities, um, also access to water, and Milwaukee's doing great. So, I mean, I think a lot of these cities around the Midwest have similar challenges, and I love to see how they're faring. Uh, good afternoon, Tim Hilk from the YMCA and a leadership classmate of downtown Deemer for sure, you know. <laughs> <coughs> um, question. Um, and I was a resident of downtown, a renter for four years in downtown. And that seems to be what we have. When you talk about 20,000 residents of downtown, predominantly renters, how stable is that? And should, should we be doing something to create more ownership in, in downtown? Yeah, I, Tim, I, I really appreciate the, the, the question, particularly coming from the, the best leadership Cleveland class ever. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> um, inside joke. Uh, it, to, to paint a picture for everybody, uh, you know, we've got about just over 20,000 residents in, in downtown. Uh, our, our residential population skews heavily uh, towards renters. Uh, we completed a, a downtown housing study earlier this year, and we have somewhere around 10,000 rental units uh, in downtown. Uh, probably about 450 condos and townhomes. Um, and I, I think uh, we, we have clear demand uh, for more for sale uh, housing. Uh, when, uh, when we provide that product to the market, it's successful. You know, we have townhomes uh, going up at uh, uh, East 13th and Superior uh, that are doing very, very well. Uh, MRN, uh, recently converted uh, a couple floors of office space uh, into uh, condominiums. Those have sold extremely, extremely well. Uh, but we, we need to scale that up. Uh, and I know uh, we have uh, developers, we have um, a city administration uh, that is very interested in uh, growing more for sale uh, opportunities. And I think as we're coming out of the pandemic, uh, growing uh, the, the amenity base, uh, working uh, with uh, our state legislature and our, our local officials on uh, removing some uh, policy barriers uh, to developing more for sale housing in urban areas uh, will be very, very uh, important and uh, continuing to work with our banking community to show that uh, where uh, for sale housing is being built uh, in downtown, it's successful. So I think we've got some good pilot projects that we can uh, work with partners to bring to scale. But I think it's very, very important to stabilizing the downtown population in, in the, the long term. And if I could just add, whether it's for sale or rental, and this is hot off the presses, on Friday, the White House issued um, a press release that they're pivoting and focusing DOE, uh, DOT money and, and HUD money, so housing and transportation, on downtowns, on office to residential conversions. 
And so while the, the real estate market, you know, in, in many cases development because of high interest rates has almost ground to a halt, um, you know, this is the glimmer of opportunity for the development community um, because subsidies, as we know, are often required for this work. And, and, we want, and, and it seems like there's opportunity for that to begin flowing um, to our cities and in particular our downtowns. Let's go to our next question, Jeremy. Hi, I'm uh, Jeremy Paris with the Raven Group. I saw Nate grimace a little when I stood up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna, because we're friends and new friends, I wanna provoke you for just a second. Um, Talking, you know, pivoting from your idea of alignment and the sort of future of downtowns and the waterfront. I, I'm trying to think over the rainbow a little bit. We've got Cleveland, we know it's a climate resilient place and how do we build to that future? And we also know we're still combating redlining and how do we build shared prosperity uh, in a community that is often sort of had a have and have not. So can you paint us a little bit of a picture of if you're successful and thinking beyond it, sort of how we attach to the waterfront, lakefront and riverfront, what does Cleveland look like 25 years from now as sort of one of the great cities? How do we get there? Easy, well, easy simple <laughs> In 30 seconds or less, right? Uh, I, I, I think we, we have, I think, a tremendous opportunity in downtown Cleveland uh, to, to be the uh, model and hub of a, a, a place that really figures it out. Uh, we, we have a, uh, a, a downtown that, uh, relatively speaking, is more affordable uh, than most. Um, we've got uh, opportunities to create better and stronger um, economic and physical connections in the greater downtown area. You know, we're very focused uh, in our work on uh, ensuring that downtown is a place that is not just clean and safe, but clean, safe, and welcoming to all. Um, and that we're bringing in uh, the, uh, the entire city, the uh, entire region, uh, so that everyone feels like uh, downtown is for them. And so as I think about you know, 25 years from now, what this looks like, uh, we, we're, we're a very uh, bright, green, colorful, well-connected uh, uh, city center uh, that you know, the lines between downtown and University Circle are blurred. We're not, we're not two ends of a, a dumbbell. It's, it's a seamless urban fabric uh, from the center to the east, from the center to the west, uh, and that we, we've got a, a truly well-connected, uh, vibrant, and inclusive, uh, inclusive place. And I think we've got that opportunity in front of us right now. This, this alignment of leadership I talked about, though, is not going to last forever. We can point to other cities uh, that we've looked to in the last several years where we wanted the type of alignment that a city like Pittsburgh had. We wanted the type of alignment that a city like Columbus had in their, in their civic leadership. We have that now. If we don't squander it, we can, we can be the city we want to be in 25 years. Can I add one little thing to that? I think that our downtowns are challenged now, and in particular, I mean, as you think about the next 25 years, in maintaining authenticity. I mean, so often, because we have access to all the best practices and we get to share knowledge and we meet up and we, you know, we travel and we have the internet, we see everything that every downtown is doing. And how many of us have been to downtowns and seen the same exact placemaking, the same exact murals where somebody, there's a butterfly shape behind them, right? Um, everyone's got a farm to table restaurant. I mean, it, it's becoming so same that I think holding on to our authenticity and being something unique should be part of our 25 year strategy. 
this is more of a statement. You can add to it if you'd like afterwards. But um, I've lived downtown for seven years now. Um, it's more of a man's town than a place for female. Female shopping is at certain places. Most of the time I feel women will park their husbands at a bar and go two or three doors down and do some shopping. Everything we have here is alignments of bars and restaurants. Women are the ones with the purse that spend the money. I think in that area we're missing out. I mean, I don't want to have to go all the way to the tower and meet my husband somewhere else. I mean, we usually, you go to many towns, I travel a lot. One thing we do different here, bar after bar after restaurant after restaurant. There's no between shopping, boutiques. I mean, you, who wants to go to the steel yard on a bus and bring back some tools? You can't go tools, you just moved in. You can't buy towels, you can't buy sheets. You gotta go to the steel yard. So I just want to have people keep in mind that women hold the purse as far as spending money. Let's see if we can't do a little bit of in between here. That's it. I mean, I, I will just say, <laughs> um, and I, I love that because it's, it's true. Um, it's, it's also true that, um, you know, that sector is really challenged um, from a retail perspective. You know, going out and, and shopping obviously has been affected by, by online. And so it's sort of acknowledging that and how do we figure out ways to help businesses that are hybrid, that maybe want smaller spaces and, and getting them in here. And that's why part of the strategy is about helping um, small businesses um, and helping them sort of test this market and, and with some pop-ups and, and getting them here and experiencing it and seeing them succeed and then having them become permanent. You know, that's sort of part, part of the goal. Um, but, you know, that sector is, is challenged. And there's a reason there's so much food and beverage because, as I said, 70% of the spending is driven by visitors. Um, so they're the ones who are going out and eating. So it's a little bit of trying to balance um, some of these uh, dynamics. A quick follow-up on that. Um, Columbus announced a plan to support retail businesses and small businesses along the retail level with rental assistance and support for landlords to help do build out. Are those kinds of strategies popular, common, and effective in other cities? Wow, you're asking me a question. I, I mean, I have, I have a strong opinion about that. <laughs> um, Let's I, hear it. When I have seen this work, and I served for a number of years as sort of the retail czar for the city of New York, where I was trying on behalf of the city to make that happen. What I very quickly learned is that it's very hard to move the dial in ma at mass, right? So that we can, we spend a lot of money. You know, there's a tremendous amount of subsidy and investment that might go for one, two, or three businesses. But we haven't often solved for the fundamental problem of the fact that, you know, it might be a difficult environment, might be an uncomfortable environment, it might be difficult to get there and leave. You know, the, the fundamentals, the business environment was still broken. And so what we were doing was subsidizing businesses to occupy spaces, and then we often saw that within one or two years they closed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, over time I've really come to the conclusion that's absolutely on a on a case-by-case -case basis, you can do that, but that cannot be the only piece of the strategy. Uh, yes, my name is Eric Johnson. Uh, historically, downtown uh, presented the opportunity to 
be the center of lifestyle for people who were homeowners and residents who didn't live in the center city. Uh, we came downtown to shop. We came downtown to go to work. And now, because we've become so decentralized, there is this disconnection. And that's why there is this mistrust with regards to investing in downtown. So in the process, what are we doing to create the, the tangible relationship to support the, the feeling mm -hmm. of the broader community supporting downtown? Because we've had a lot of conversations, we've got a lot of plans, but you know, we haven't made people, we haven't made residents feel it. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so important that you know, for this to work, not only does the 20,000 people who live in downtown have to buy into it, but the other 250, 260,000 people that live in broader Cleveland, even in a broader county, have to buy into it as well. I, I don't know, you yeah. go first. <laughs> well, I, I, I think uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the challenge of um, the, the, the disconnect between the, the larger uh, community and uh, downtown did not accrue overnight uh, it won't be solved overnight. Um, but I think in terms of tangible things that we're doing uh, to really create uh, an environment and connections uh, with downtown, uh, we can point to a number of things. Um, you know, back in uh, 2021, uh, we at Downtown Cleveland uh, worked with a number of partners uh, to create the first uh, Juneteenth Freedom Festival in downtown. Uh, and worked with uh, artists of color, uh, worked with Karamu House uh, to create uh, those um, community uh, connections. Uh, we created a, a mural program, uh, Voices of Klee, uh, that was really designed uh, to create uh, connections, not just with artists of color, but uh, to animate downtown in a way that celebrates and reflects the diversity of the city. And you know, we do that with a lot of our programming uh, all of which is uh, uh, free, and whether it's performing arts uh, or uh, public art, uh, the, the way that we program and animate our public spaces uh, is really designed uh, to really celebrate and reflect the diversity of the city. Um, and, and I think that's something that we, we just need to continue to, uh, to, to work hard at because those types of changes don't occur overnight, but those types of changes that are happening right before our very eyes. Did your plan touch I, on that at all? Yeah, I would say what we're trying to do is build a better mousetrap, right? There are 416,000 households within the trade areas that we think you know, are, are actually likely to come downtown. We have to make it easy, comfortable for them to do that, um, for their path, we call it like the path to purchase, right? That has to be comfortable for them. When they arrive, their experience has to be it has to feel safe. It has to, they have to feel comfortable when they're walking the street and going to their, their store or going to an event. Um, and then when they leave, you know, when they leave, they carry that brand identity and they either want to come back or they don't. Um, and so that, that entire experience has to be one that, that works. And so it's, you know, what we did is sort of identify where is that broken? You know, where can we fix that? And one of the things we identified was that once you're, downtown, say you've got a visitor who goes to Rock Hall. Um, once they leave Rock Hall, they're likely getting into their car. And once they're in their car, they're not coming downtown. We've lost them. 
as a visitor. Um, you know, the same thing happens, you know, a lot of the events after we heard, you know, after the event, everybody goes to their car and everything works to shuttle them out of downtown as opposed to keeping them here. Um, how do, if they do choose to stay, how do we make sure that after dinner there's something else besides that for them to go to? So one of the recommendations in the plan is a night market, which has been tremendously successful in a lot of communities. So a night market that's curated with, you know, wonderful vendors and events that, you know, in addition to grabbing a bite to eat, you get a drink and maybe you can go and see vendors. And that's something that is great for residents and it's also good for visitors. So, you know, it's identifying both the activations and the process and the ease of which you can arrive and leave downtown. Reverend Stephen Blonder Adams, I'm the senior pastor of Old Stone First Presbyterian Church on Public Square. And for 203 years, this congregation has lived through all the changes of Cleveland's life and continues to be a vibrant part of supporting the community. So it's kind of a twofold question I have for all three of you. One is, are we on your radar? And two is, how can we partner with you, with your organizations, to help support the work you're doing, and as well as the other faith institutions in Cleveland? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's vital that we are as much a part of your vision um, as well. So I will leave it at that. Well, uh, th thanks for the, the, the question and comment, and, and Old Stone Church is very much uh, not only on the, the radar screen of the organization, but uh, is, is integral to the fabric and uh, in, in history of, of downtown Cleveland. Uh, we've uh, enjoyed uh, a tremendous relationship uh, over the, the, the years. Uh, in fact, one of your, your predecessors served on, on the board for, for, for many years. Uh, we've uh, worked together on programming. Uh, at the church. Um, most recently, uh, we've uh, partnered with a number of organizations and Old Stone was kind enough to host uh, connecting some of the people in need uh, in, in downtown Cleveland uh, with much needed um, uh, social services. Uh, so I, I, think there, uh, I think Old Stone is, is a, a downtown institution uh, in, in uh, an essential part of the, the, the downtown fabric and has been a, a great partner over the years. We look forward to doing so many more things with you. Get another question. Uh, good afternoon, Brian Miller with Mont Services. What is the current status of the tax abatement for residential builders? And what is the long-term plan for when the tax abatements that we've been providing expire? Uh, the, uh, the city of Cleveland has a, a new uh, tax abatement policy that goes into effect uh, January 1st. Uh, and it's a pivot from, you know, what for many years had been a 100% uh, 15-year uh, uh, abatement on uh, new construction and renovations to a more uh, tiered uh, approach. Um, uh, so that, that, that's um, an important change and, and in many ways um, a, a, a challenging uh, change given the economic circumstances uh, that we're in. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to have to work with the, the city and uh, partners on looking at how that really uh, gets implemented and, and what the impact is uh, on things like office conversions uh, to make sure that we're, we're able to continue to be successful uh, 
um, in, in that office conversion field in the, in the way that's led us to be a national leader. Um, there's a separate challenge you identified there about you know, what happens when the, the tax abatement um, burns off and the you know, properties have to start paying taxes. Uh, that means rents uh, start going up uh, and that, uh, that creates some challenges around housing affordability uh, that you know, my answer to that is develop more housing. You know, I, I think we, we, can, we, we, we need to, uh, the, the more quality housing uh, we can have uh, in, in downtown and in the city, um, I think the better off uh, we're going to be. Uh, but there is going to be this tension between as tax abatement um, uh, burns off, um, affordability is going to go down. Uh, and in order to develop more affordable housing options, we're going to need more, um, they're going to, there's going to need to be more public subsidy in order to develop more affordable housing. And it's, Let's I, I try to get the, one more question in. Absolutely. Um, so we have another text question. No one has spoken yet about what sometimes feels like a crisis in commercial and office real estate. What is the vacancy rate actually like right now? Not just what's rented, but what's actually being used and occupied. And how much of our real estate is actually at risk of being owned by financial institutions? Well, I, I think uh, we you know, talked at the outset about uh, there are challenges that we're facing in, in Cleveland. There are challenges that all uh, downtowns uh, are facing. You know, a, a quick look at the numbers, you know, our, our, the, 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 lease, the leasing rate of uh, downtown office buildings is, you know, between, it's in the low 80s. Um, uh, we talked about the uh, rate of return of, of the workforce overall. It's just over 68%. Um, for the office workers, it's right around uh, 60%. Um, we do have a number of uh, office buildings here and in downtowns nationally uh, that are uh, in serious financial straits. Uh, but everything we've talked about here today, everything we've talked about here today is designed to meet those challenges. You know, when we're talking about our leadership in office uh, conversion strategy, um, our focus on creating a public realm and a retail uh, environment, um, the, the types of public realm improvements that are going to support retail are going to be attractive to uh, building owners. They're going to be attractive to office tenants uh, seeking to renew, expand, or relocate. Uh, and they're going to be attractive to uh, visitors and, and, and residents. So everything that we've talked about today is designed to get at those issues in the office market. And, and on the retail side, I will say, you know, if memory serves me correctly, and the plan is out today, so you can correct me, <laughs> um, that on the ground floor, we're looking at between 20 and 25% vacancy rates, which also reflect um, some large spaces, um, you know, like the Galleria, um, uh, Tower City, that um, internal spaces that have significant vacancy. So, you know, some of what we have to grapple with is acknowledging we can only support so much retail. Where do we want to focus? And that's really an element of the plan as well. We don't want to necessarily spread ourselves super thin everywhere because that's not what's great for businesses. They want to co-locate. So it's, it's about, you know, focusing our concentration of retail activity where it's going to really make the most difference and acknowledging we're probably never going to fill all the spaces. There's a structural imbalance that is going to be difficult to overcome. You know, we're going to have to let some places go and really focus energy and activity in others. 
Thank you very much. Thank you to Kate, Michael, Larissa, and Nate for joining us at the City Club of Cleveland. Today's forum is presented in partnership by Pat Pastore and my colleagues at PNC Bank, and of course made possible through generous support from individuals like many of you here today. You can learn more about our work and how to become a guardian of free speech at cityclub.org. We would also like to welcome guests at tables hosted by Downtown Cleveland, Falls and Company, Gateway, Gateway District and Warehouse District, Greater Cleveland Partnership, K&D, Mont Surfaces, PNC, and University Circle. Thank you all for being here today. We have some great forums coming up next week at the City Club, starting with the State of the Schools on Thursday, November 9th. Our new CMSD CEO, Dr. Warren Morgan, will provide his inaugural State of the Schools address. Then on Friday, November 10th, the City Club will be joined by Her Excellency, Geraldine Bernison, Ambassador of Ireland to the United States. You can learn more about these forums and other, and, and also access our archives at cityclub.org. And that, that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you once again to our speakers, and thank you members, guests, and friends of the City Club. This forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.